What's up, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of SSPN in the 2023-2024 season on December 6th, 2023. Which means if for some reason, if you're watching this in the future, this is in the midst of the Spurs now. I don't even know how many games it is, Ethan. I know this was our 20th game of the season. I do Mm -hmm. know that. Um, so yeah, <laughs> the Spurs are in the midst of a 15 game losing streak that unfortunately, despite maybe different things happening game to game, like maybe some person has a better game here. Another person has a better game there at the end of the day, as we've mentioned in another podcast that we did, I think this is when the losing streak was still nine games. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the script feels the same Ethan this I didn't actually watch that Grizzlies game full through um but if I had to compare a game to this one from this season already it seems like that would be the one is you know the Spurs kind of played it seemed like they played one of their more complete games of the year you know despite still having some struggles in that third quarter Mm -hmm. um and then going in in a competitive game into the fourth quarter and it just all falling apart Ethan but it's a little bit more than that Obviously, Minnesota did not play their best game. You know, I texted you jokingly before we even started this. I was like, if we wanted to do this post game in one sentence, it's just that, you know, Minnesota at the top of the West, they started to hit their open threes that they'd been getting all game in the fourth quarter. And that was kind of the end of it for the Spurs running their 2-1-2 zone. Um, And there were some positives from that zone that I saw. I mean, you saw a steal from Devin late in the game. I could dive into it as much as I want, Ethan. But those are kind of my overall thoughts. Covering all the bases, I think I did there. Tell me what you think. <sighs> Jude, it's just, uh, even when it's competitive, like it was for the first like two and a half quarters, it still wasn't exactly enjoyable to watch uh, because the basketball we're playing is not, it, it's very not perfect. And I know this yeah. is the, the themes that we've been hitting on every single post game and every single podcast, but they remain true. We can't defend a pick and roll. We gave up a lot of open threes. And like you said, they didn't really start hitting them till the fourth quarter. And that's the reason it seemed competitive for the first three. Um, now the game was not without as positives. I think that Keldon played pretty well. Devin Vassell obviously kind of mounted that third quarter comeback a little yes. bit. Kind of keep us in the game going into the fourth quarter. He was big momentum wise. Uh, Jeremy Sohan had a very... Very difficult game. His first game this season coming off the bench. I didn't even Um, mention that. (laughs) Yeah, not even as the primary facilitator because Trey Jones did not replace him. Chetty Osmond replaced him. Um, So even when he came into the game uh, for the second unit, Trey would come in, I think, a couple minutes later or maybe even with Jeremy. I can't exactly remember. Yes, with Jeremy. Yeah. So Trey was the primary facilitator. So he really struggled tonight. Only 22 minutes, three for 10 from the field, minus five in the box score only two rebounds. Uh, but it came down to those two, the things that you, you hit on Jude. It was wide open threes that our defense was, was giving up. And then size, we just cannot compete with Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony towns and Kyle Anderson and Nas Reed, who was huge for them off the bench with 15 points, seven for 18. And he even missed six threes and he still was able to basically dominate our second unit 
I don't What's mean it? to interrupt you, but I just have to I have to say from my perspective, this was very tough on Nas Reed because it was like, you know, even at the end of the game when Devin kind of and he had a great game. But at the end of the game, you know, Devin got that block on him trailing late, you know, mm-hmm. and there were a couple other times that we got him. Obviously, he he played a very good game. The whole reason I'm stopping you, Ethan, is, is he's a he is a beloved LSU alum of mine. So there were times during this game where I was like, get that out of here, bum. And then I had to be like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nas. Go Tigers. I love you. Anyways, it was it was very tough for me, though. I was like, Nas, you're not supposed to do this to a fellow. Even if this is you don't even know me, you're not supposed to do this coming from Baton Rouge. That's all I got to say. So, Nas, I'm, I'm very disappointed in you. You were supposed to, you know, do one for me and and not not do things to Wemby that you did tonight and hit shots. Hmm. You were supposed to play bad for Bye. me. Well, he played well. <laughs> he played well in spite of your wishes. Anyways. Um, one, one positive takeaway. We technically won the turnover battle, 11 and 14. Only three, but still, we won that battle for it may be the first time this entire season, to be completely honest with you. Uh, but we lost the rebounding battle 55 to 49. They hit three more threes, and they hit eight more free throws and just shot a better percentage from the field overall. Yeah, you you summed it up completely, Ethan. Um uh, I've heard, I've seen a couple comments in here about Zach Collins, and and I know you know you and I have been supporters of him, and usually try to come to his defense. But I, I totally understand what they're saying. Um, Connor mentioned it. Obviously, six of twenty tonight, zero for yeah. six from three. That's the big thing. Um, yeah. And then here's another great comment from from Jr. Carr. Uh, Collins basically doubling up Wemby's field goal attempts can't be the recipe for success. It's not like he had the hot hand, LOL. And that that's facts. The one thing I will say about Wemby's shot total tonight is some of that had to do with the defense that Minnesota was playing on him. But still, that that point is, is a very good one nonetheless. I'm honestly surprised. First of all, agreed, Zach Collins played a terrible game tonight. And he's really been struggling for a couple games now since he yeah. had that huge game. I think against the Kings. Yep, the Kings. The Twitter and the NBA world was like, "Yeah, yeah, Zach Collins. He's just basically Sabonis." And then after that, everything's gone downhill for him. So I'm hoping it's just a little bit of shooting rust that he can kind of shake off. Because when he is hitting like 40, high 30 to or low 40 percent from three point land, it's it seems to open up everything for him. Suddenly he becomes a top tier facilitator. Suddenly he's finishing at the rim, um, and and just overall his impact is greater when he actually hits shots from three. Um, but with that being said, I'm surprised Victor Wimbanyama Jude was actually plus seven in the box score. Yeah. Uh, because to me, this might've been one of his ugliest games. I agree. He, he just, it didn't feel like he had any sort of impact on anything. Even defensively, he felt lost. At, not lost, but just when you're playing against two, it was minimized. Footers, yeah. It's minimized because he's, he's not get be defending, you know, a six, six wing, whose shot he can block and he's not defending an undersized big. He's no, he's guarding Rudy Gobert or a Carl Anthony Towns. Say what you will about both of those guys, all-star level bigs that are truly seven feet tall and can compete physically with Victor. So, and have like, sorry to interrupt you, but and and to your point, they have like six or seven years in the league at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're just, they're, they're very talented bigs. I think he started off on Carl Anthony Towns and actually did hold him, I think, 0 for 3 in that first quarter. No, no. 
he, I think he only took three shots in the first half. I think was he only had six was. shots the whole game, as you can see down there. Yeah, fourteen points. He actually had a struggle. He struggled tonight, but Rudy Gobert with twenty-one rebounds and sixteen points and two blocks, and then Nas Reed, like we said, with fifteen points off the bench. Um, that's tough. That's tough. And obviously, Vic only shot four for thirteen from the field tonight. I think the other thing that's tough too is when you look. Yes, obviously, like you mentioned, Rudy Gobert had a fantastic game, but Cat and and Anthony Edwards were cat was efficient you could say but still cat only taking six shots is is weird this season and he had six yeah. turnovers right and then anthony edwards didn't have an efficient night whatsoever he was able to get to the line um and contribute in other areas but at least offensively he shot mm-hmm. four for 17 overall uh two for five from three and mike conley you know not as inefficient um but still kind of a similar story he did have four threes um but five for 13 overall with 18 getting to the line as well. Um, this kind of ties into what I mentioned at the beginning of the game, Ethan. And even Nas Reed, seven for 18, one for seven from three tonight. Troy Brown, three for nine, two for eight from three. Like, this was not... <laughs> this no. is the this is the type of game when you're playing a team in Minnesota who's near the top of the West right now that this Spurs team needs to take advantage of on nights like this. Most definitely. And, and you even talked about it. I was texting you. I think it was early third quarter, maybe midway through the third quarter. And you were like, I'm surprised it's this close, honestly. And I was like, yeah, and Minnesota played a, has played a terrible game so far. And I think you said something like, these are the kind of wins the Spurs need to pull out. Yes. Where the, the top teams are un, not, not expecting us to play as well as we are. And we can kind of sneak out and steal a win. Um, but unfortunately... The trend where we cannot finish a game and play a full 48 minutes came to bite us, and Minnesota experience um, helped them in that fourth quarter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the other thing probably that's the biggest story this game, Ethan, is definitely the starting lineup. Um, I'm not going to necessarily try to take any you know giant major takeaways from just one game, but obviously this is meaningful. Um, the way that I look at it, the way that I took it, um, whenever I saw that Shetty was starting is I was like, okay, well, we're just going to probably move Jeremy back to the four. And obviously he's not going to start at the four right now because that's where Victor's playing. Um, mm-hmm. And it, and it kind of makes the transition easy because you can just put Shetty in the starting lineup and Shetty was playing the four off the bench. Anyway, you can put him back there with Trey. Um, and then it's kind of a, I say seamless transition. I don't mean on the court, I just mean like positionally because we saw yeah. the struggles that still happened tonight. But what were your, I know it's just one game. We don't want to take too much from it, but obviously that's going to be something that people are thinking about and talking about, you know, with this being the first different lineup we've seen this season. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping somebody in the media availability room actually asks pop for his reasoning behind the lineup change, because knowing pop, he could say something like, oh, Jeremy was sick yesterday, so we just wanted to manage his playtime. And then it's as simple as that. I don't know if that would be true. I think what you said is more likely that we're actually going to make the adjustment for him to go back to that four spot. They said he's active. What so, do you mean? Like, like Jeremy's active. Like tonight, like he, there was no like sickness or anything. Did I just I'm just saying, that's just, that's, no, no, that's kind of what I said, but like, like a sickness as that, that wouldn't be on the injury report, like something that pop just kind of pulls out of thin air. You know how he likes to like take 
actual questions that have a lot of validity. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Spin yeah. them to make it seem like the reporter doesn't actually know what's going on. Like mm-hmm. he does. Yeah. Something yeah, like I get that. You. To, or minimize, minimize the importance of a decision like this. Um, but I, I, I don't, I honestly, I don't want to even guess as to his reasoning at this point. Um, Cause we just don't know. I mean, it could go back yeah. to normal next game. Right. Well, you know, yeah, I was just curious what you thought of it. That was more like what I was thinking. It's yeah. all right. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing if we really want to get into it. Just like a guy right. that has playmaking ability that's really a forward. Um, and really, Devin and Kelton kind of took most of the, the ball handling responsibilities anyway. And it was exactly. still kind of a struggle because Minnesota pressured us from the get-go. It didn't matter that Jeremy wasn't in the game. Our ball handlers were still being picked up pretty much at half court if not three quarters of the court. Um, and it re- made it really difficult for us to actually get in half court sets. I think they were trying to minimize our pace, which is actually a really great strategy. Cause that's yeah. how we score is in transition. And it's funny you mentioned that because that's the other thing that I think ties into this lineup a little bit more. And like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if next game we go back to what we've been seeing all season. Cause mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just the Spurs and you never know with pop. Um, yeah. And that they've done that before. Um, but at the same time, with what you were just talking about, I'm losing I'm losing my train of thought mid-sentence here, Ethan. I'm sorry. I said something about them slowing pace. That was the strategy. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Pop, before the game, said tonight that... I don't remember exactly what the quote was, but it was along the lines... I'm going to paraphrase here. It was along the lines of essentially what we already know. We score with pace. So that was an emphasis kind of going into this game. And while he didn't talk about the lineup pregame, I think he was kind of hinting at that. And not to say that Jeremy doesn't push the pace. Um, and like I said also, I don't want to take like some giant takeaway from from this one game. Um, but I think that he kind of, maybe that had something to do with it tonight. I probably should go find the quote because I'm not remembering it completely. Um but he he talked about pace being an emphasis mm-hmm. for the team kind of when it comes to the team's offensive struggles this year i'm remembering more now he said we don't have two to three guys that we can go to to just get a bucket mm-hmm. essentially right now the only person who does it consistently is devin right yeah so because of that in order to score we've got to play with pace because that's the only way that we're going to be able to beat people in we're not going to be able to beat people in, in half court situations. We just don't have the talent for it. That's essentially what he was saying. And so he was just saying that that's kind of the offensive emphasis moving forward. And so it was interesting that he said that before the game and that tied in with a new lineup. Mm. And I know, and I agree with what you were saying too. You don't even want to guess on the reasoning. Cause I could say this and be completely wrong. I completely agree. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it was kind of interesting that he mentioned that pregame and then we saw this um, and you saw that kind of in the first quarter when they were able to, um, you know, have a lead after the first half. Devin said it in the in the ESPN interview before halftime. He's like, it starts with us getting stops. Now, some of that has to do with Minnesota missing a lot of open shots that helped us a lot. But still, the point stays the same. He's like, we got to play with pace if we want to be effective offensively, which isn't anything new, but. Maybe that had something to do with it. In terms of pace, this is kind of uh, addressing what you said. In terms of pace, one of my favorite lineups from tonight, which I haven't actually seen all that often this season, was Trey Jones, Devin Vassell, Doug, and Chetty with Wemby at the five. 
Mm-hmm. That was one of our better lineups. Like we were actually moving well without the basketball. We had multiple shooters and Trey Jones was able to push the tempo. And then Devin Vassell was that bucket getter. And I think that lineup was in the game when Kat and Rudy were on the bench. So obviously Victor's size wasn't minimized as much. I don't know if that's a long-term solution, but just like a, like a note to look at, like they, we actually seemed a little bit more cohesive with that unit on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Adrian says, Keldon on fast breaks is close to a guaranteed bucket. He needs very little space to score near the basket mm-hmm. on the fast break. Yeah, the, the halftime buzzer beater that he got um, was a perfect example of that. Um, but moreover, Ethan, you know what? We, we did this last time and we still haven't really done it this time. And I know we're already 16 minutes into this episode, but do you want to go quarter by quarter, do the game flow and call this thing, call this thing an episode? We can do it. We can do it. I, I don't have that many notes because this was kind of a yeah. dirty game. But we can yeah, do it. for sure. Well, we can talk about the first quarter a little bit. I have some notes. So obviously there was the new lineup. The other thing that, that you kind of already touched on a little bit was Keldon and Devin being the primary ball handlers. You know, you saw a lot of pick and rolls, a lot of dribble handoffs. Um, and I did see some distribution from Keldon to start. But still, it wasn't anything that ended up being consistent. But the one thing that I did notice in our pick and rolls with those guys, and obviously this is still overall an ugly game. We're we're just going quarter through quarter here, so I got to have some positive stuff to talk about, is I did like their ball handling and pick and roll situations. Like I did see the improved, like it was better than where Jeremy's at right now, you know. And with that being said, it's not top tier either. Um, But I did see some sort of, I, I saw some semblance of a little bit more prettierness or cleanerness in the pick and rolls with, with KJ and Devin handling the majority of them. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. So the other thing I had written down for my first quarter notes started out solid, many missing shots. Even in the first quarter, I wrote down that Minnesota was missing shots. Um, after the first time out, Minnesota went on their run. Um, Trey had two great buckets off the dribble to start the game. And then I don't think he made another shot. Yeah, he didn't. He he did not make another shot for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote down Trey homecoming, but that was for those two possessions in the first quarter. And then I also wrote down Jeremy readjusting. You saw a couple fumbles from him. You know, he wasn't ready for a, a wide open three in the corner. Um, and I'm not trying to make a ton of excuses, but just reality if we're going to be honest about it he's switching positions back to this so there's going to be some it's going to take him a couple games to get back into rhythm and also it's a new team too like so it's not the same team as last year and he's not in the starting lineup anymore so Mm. there's going to be there's going to be some adjustments there any other thoughts from you on the first quarter i think we started five for five uh from the inside we were actually really slicing and dicing their interior defense which is odd considering they have Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns that didn't last the entire game uh, but in that first quarter we were really really attacking the rim uh, but that kind of took a step back once Minnesota switched to that zone defense it took us a while to figure that out yep and that just ties in you know when at the end at the beginning of this episode I said it felt like the same script that's mm-hmm. the perfect example of it teams making adjustments Um, and us not being able to adjust ourselves. Then in the second quarter, I wrote bounced back because at the, you know, in the second half of that first quarter, Minnesota came back and took the lead. Um, I wrote Devin got going. We went on a 7-0 run midway through um, and ended up holding the lead throughout the second quarter. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Zach was distributing a little bit more. Still agree. This was one of his worst games of the season. Um, Shetty hadn't Shetty did not take a shot in the first half. That was the other thing. And obviously that's because of him playing in the starting lineup. But if they want that position to play that role more, like that's the other thing I was thinking about when it comes to this lineup. And I know I said, I don't want to take too much of it, make too much of it. And I'm continuing to talk about it, but like Jeremy, Jeremy is more talented than Shetty, like overall, like naturally. So and there's going to be a lot of things that he tries to do that basically Devin and Keldon being in the starting lineup, they're going to clog it up. Does that make sense? Like there's only so many touches to go around. So I think when you put Shetty in the starting lineup, and like I said, this isn't me talking about a preface for this being, you know, completely the the move moving forward. Cause as we've already mentioned, this could change. It could go back to what it was before next game. But I think the reason that they tested that out or fiddled with it tonight or, and we'll see how long it lasts is because you saw eight, eight rebounds, six assists from him tonight, you know, and in the first half he had three assists and five rebounds, not taking a single shot. And yes, I would like to see him take some more threes. And I know it wasn't the best shooting night for him tonight, but if you've been watching this season, you know that Shetty's been one of the more consistent uh, players for us, not just offensively, but overall. Um, but the things that I noticed from him in that role, I think he is more okay with playing that role not just because of him being a vet on this team, but also just because of his like his skill level. Like it's easier for it's more natural for him to play that role of not, yeah. you know, having to take shots in that lineup where Jeremy's gonna go try to get buckets. You know what I mean from time mm-hmm. to time. And I know he shot three for ten tonight, but late in the fourth quarter you saw him go get a really tough bucket on Nas Reed, you know, and and I know that that, that wasn't consistent tonight, but We've seen him do that from time to time this season. We saw it last year as well. And I think if he continues to play this position, and which is who knows, we'll con- regardless, we'll see some more improvements there. You know, it was obviously rough considering him being, you know, having to go back into that with a brand new lineup that he hadn't played with before. Mm-hmm. Um, Better ball movement and defense. This was all, of course, the second quarter. <laughs> the other thing I wrote, offense is better with pace, getting in transition. Three threes from Doug. That was also crucial in this quarter. It was the only shots he made all night. Um, and then the other thing I wrote down was Devin and Keldon doing their thing in their roles. And it was one of the more complete halves of the year. Um, but obviously that has to do with Minnesota shooting a lot as well. Um, mm-hmm. but that was a solid quarter for us. We won it by 10 points, 31 to 21. Um, mm-hmm. so it's unfortunate that the second half ensued the way that it has all season. Not to be a negative Nancy, but, um, you touch on all my positives. So I'm going to hit on the only, please do that I have, um, when the wolves started pressuring our ball handlers, like I noted before, it became really difficult for our offense to get going. We could not defend backdoor cuts especially early in that second quarter they were easily cutting us to death in that second quarter um and just overall especially in this quarter the wolves are really bailing us out because like i said cat only shot the ball three times in that first half cumulatively uh rudy gobert sat most of the second quarter because of foul trouble yep and they could not buy a three despite the fact that they were getting wide open looks um with that being said, you hit on all the positives, Jude. 
<laughs> There's one more positive, believe it or not, that I have. I know it sounds crazy, but you know, at this point, I'm writing these down in the second quarter when we're up. Mm-hmm. So naturally, they'll be, you know, they'll be a little bit more of a positive spin. Yeah. Um, but Keldon, I, I yes. know, I know that it, you know, I'm not saying it was perfect. And I know that Minnesota definitely missed a lot of open shots, but a big reason Anthony Edwards went seven, four for 17 tonight was because of Keldon Johnson's defense. Yes, of course, there were some times that he got him. There were, there were two times that stick out in my head where he got caught on a, on a screen kind of similar to Trey and Jeremy's we've been talking about all season, which allowed a wide open three. Um, but I really noticed I noticed his defense tonight. And and sometimes it was just because, you know, a lot of these these other post players, all their front court guys, Nas Reed, Rudy Gobert, and Kat. Um, well, Kat didn't take too many shots, but you still get my point. Those guys kind of were inside taking a lot of those shots. So it was more just like Anthony wasn't, you know, imposing himself as much as he normally does. But I think some of that, at least, there's got to be some credit given to Keldon defensively tonight. For, for the way Anthony Edwards shot. Not saying it was 100% the reason he shot the way that he did. I'm sure he was a little bit off as well. But from my eyes, at least watching the game, to me, it seemed like he did a solid job on, on Ant. You know, it's really been an emphasis for him all year. Right. And with Anthony Edwards specifically, even if he's not as quick as Anthony Edwards, and let's say that Anthony, yes, just had a bad shooting night as well to, to couple that at least Keldon Johnson can physically stay with him. He's not going to get bullied because of the strength of Anthony Edwards. He might get out quicked. He might get got in a pump fake, but he's not going to be powered through. Um, and I think that was definitely apparent. Yeah. I, I also, and, and that kind of ties into the other way that I was going to describe it, Ethan. I felt like he stayed in front of him. Well, and the way that you do that is with your strength. Um, mm-hmm. So that's just when you consider like the things that Keldon said before this season. And I know a lot of those things that were said on media day have not come true this year, but he said he really wanted to prove that, that he can be an elite defender. I don't know if this was necessarily an elite performance, uh, but it was one of his better performances on one of the better offensive players in the league. So I wanted to give a shout out to him there. Now we can get into the third quarter where things go bad for the Spurs. Mm. And it, and, and, and it, and it makes sense, Ethan, because the Timberwolves are the number one third quarter team in the league and we're the bottom third quarter team in the league. And the crazy thing is, is it wasn't like our worst third quarter that we've ever had this season, Yeah, (laughs) but it still ended up with a seven point advantage for the Minnesota Timberwolves winning 25 to 18. They started out on a nine Oh run. We started Oh for uh, Oh for four. Then we had a little bit of a response with about five minutes left. And then Minnesota had an 11 Oh run, uh, to end the quarter, um, or not to end the quarter, excuse me. They were actually, Devin went on a 5-0 run after mm-hmm. that 11-0 run to, to tie things up. Um, but still, <laughs> as you can see, there was the 9-0 run, and then we had a little bit of something, and then we had an 11-0 run, and then Devin did what he does. It wasn't really, I'm not trying to take away, it wasn't the team. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to be <laughs> a dick, but it's just the truth. Like <laughs> So... And then when it was tied, and then at the nine-minute mark, you know, it was a little bit back and forth. I believe it was 74-74 to mm-hmm. start the start the fourth quarter. And then at the nine-minute mark, that's when Minnesota went on a 12-2 run, and it was wraps. Yep, pretty pretty darn good summary of that third quarter, Jude, and all the woes within. 
Um, it did feel like the officials early in that third quarter weren't giving us a lot of calls. And I don't want to blame the officials, but like several times that our guys were like, literally like, come on. Like we are getting bodied down here, like in, in the paint, trying to score it inside. And they weren't giving us any whistles. Uh, with that being said, it, our offense was definitely stagnant. And that we were trying to get bailed out by the whistle. So I can also see the officials perspective in that sense. Uh, Devin was huge. Uh, very first transition play of the third quarter, Kev, uh, Keldon missed Wimby on a wide-open uh, throw-ahead pass. He didn't even look up. He yeah. just looked to his left and right, didn't look forward. Um, and then toward the end of the third quarter, Trey had Wemby posted up on Nas Reed, kind of low, good positioning, practicing that that post-up work that yeah. he was with Pop, uh, doing in the gym, and he just looked him off and – threw the ball elsewhere. And I was like, really? Trey Jones, the point guard, the guy that makes the right pass, the guy I love, didn't give it to the number one pick when he's wide open down low. Just weird. I don't, I don't know his reasoning. Uh, maybe he saw something that I didn't, but there was no help defender. I just don't understand why he didn't get the ball there. This is one play that it's still, your point still stands, Ethan, but you saw my reaction just there. Mm-hmm. That just has more to do with a lot of people in the Spurs verse, like just saying Trey's going to fix all our problems and putting up screenshots of advanced metrics and a bunch of numbers instead of actual basketball plays. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that just that it's just tough for me. That's just not going to fix everything. And I know I've already said this this year, but I'm yep. still seeing it. And I saw it again tonight because once again, it was another lineup without a point guard. And I'm just like, <laughs> are you guys watching? Yeah, no, but one last note on that particular issue, not getting Wemby the ball. You might know this question, but do you remember the only player tonight who actually threw a lob to Victor Wembanyama? And he was open several times. Only one guy threw a lob and it, it, it worked. Do you remember who it was? Was it Sohan? Nope. It was can you hear me? Doug McDermott. Yes, I can. Hello? Yeah, Hello? can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello? It was Doug. Now I can. Okay. I had a little bit of a connection. Yeah. yeah it was Doug <laughs> McBuckets, the guy that only oh. shoots threes, took a guy off the dribble and threw a lob to old Victor Wimbanyama, and it converted. So like, he's literally the only one that could throw a lob, which is odd. I knew the play, like I remembered like Victor's hand in the air and, and Hubie Brown being like, we need more of that. They should do more of that. And, but I didn't remember it was done. <laughs> He's literally always open on rolling situation. I don't know why we don't. It's it's not just Trey. It's not just Jeremy. It's literally everyone. Yeah. Um, but shout out to Doug. He's the veteran. He understands that you're seven foot four and you have an eight foot wingspan. Some of those are going to go down. Facts. Facts, Ethan. And this probably went a lot longer already than we expected it to. Not that we want to leave you guys. We appreciate a lot of you guys being in here tonight, despite this 15-game losing streak uh, continuing to go on. We will continue to be here regardless. Mm -hmm. Um, And we appreciate you guys hanging out with us tonight. Spurs lose once again 102-97 to the Minnesota Timberwolves. 
We will catch y'all in the next one. Don't forget to hit that like button and that subscribe button below if you enjoyed the content. And if you want to stay updated with all the SSPN news, be sure to follow us on Twitter at SSPN on YT, at Drew McLaren, and at Ethan underscore Quintero. We appreciate you guys. We'll catch y'all in the next one. Go Spurs, go.